Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We want to let you know about our new Wired for Greatness online discipleship platform. It equips you to do the work of God in your realm of influence. Check it out at wiredforgreatness.me. Enjoy this podcast. Last week we started something. Uh, we started talking about the kingdom force, right? Not the not the Star Wars force, but kingdom force. And we talked about how the force advances or the kingdom advances by force, and that uh, the main takeaway I really wanted you to have, I'm repeating because I'm a teacher, repetition is the greatest teacher, force requires something. What does force require? Resistance. Yeah, someone was paying attention. I like it. Force requires resistance. They either paid attention last week or in science class. I'm not sure, but either way, good on you. Force requires resistance, okay? And that means there's going to be resistance. And we talked about how awareness of the enemy's schemes or resistance is good, but focus is very bad. That was the adjustment that the Lord brought to many of us last week, that we don't want to focus on the enemy. He's an egomaniac, all right? He just wants your attention. That's all the devil wants. We don't focus, but it doesn't mean we're unaware, right, of the things that the enemy tries to do. I talked about my horrid 11-hour plane ride to Tel Aviv, uh, and you can listen to the podcast. But we also talked about how John uh, was in prison wanting to get out, and Jesus was doing all these miracles, and John was like basically not asking straight out, but asking, are you going to deliver me from this prison cell or not, Jesus? Are you the one who was to come or not? And Jesus said, look what God is doing. The lame walk, the blind are healed, the lepers are cleansed. So Jesus took John's attention off of what God was not doing and put it on what God is doing. And for us to advance the kingdom, we can't complain about the things that haven't happened yet and get focused and hung up on what God is not doing. That, that will keep you locked up, and eventually you'll lose your head. You won't be able to think straight. John lost his head in prison, so this is a prophetic picture for us, guys. You don't want to lose your head. You don't want to go a little cuckoo. Don't focus on what God is not doing. Look for what God is doing and partner with it, even and especially if it doesn't benefit you. Because <gasps> Jesus' miracles were not helping John out. They were probably making it worse, honestly. So, you know, and Jesus said, hey, celebrate with your happy friends. Right? And when John was beheaded, Jesus did try to get away. He mourned with his sad friends. But that's our posture. That's to be our posture. We're not going to focus on what God isn't doing. God, why didn't you do this, this, and this, and this? I gave you a list. I gave you a honeydew list. Where are you at? It's 5 o'clock. Why hasn't it happened yet? We're not going to be those people. <laughs> We're going to live with expectancy and go, I know you're going to do something good. So I'm going to look for the good thing you're doing and partner with it. Amen? Amen. Okay. So that was part one. Please go listen to that. All these are on iTunes and on our website for your uh, betterment, really. I mean, we should be, you know, chewing on these things as we go. Amen? Okay. So Matthew eleven twelve. we're going to put it on the screens for you. This is what I used last week. It's the same thing. He says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. And so we understand that the new covenant mission is to advance the kingdom of God. It started with John from the days of John the Baptist until now, right? And it continues with us as we reform the earth, right? Your assignment, I heard Shayon say this yesterday, your assignment is not to get to heaven. Your assignment is to get heaven to earth. Come on. You actually find me a scripture where it really talks about you getting to heaven or praying a prayer to go to heaven. Find me that one. It's not there. Jesus said, pray this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come on, the gospel is not a rescue mission. It's a restoration project. You get rescued so you can restore. You don't get rescued so that you can get out of hell. 
You get rescued for a purpose. Otherwise, when you got saved, you would have disappeared. You know, beam me up, Scotty, here I go, right? So it makes sense. It, it stands to reason that if you're still here, you might have a job. Amen? Amen. I can tell you your job. Get heaven to earth. Make this place look like his place so that he'll be comfortable returning. This is about hastening the day of the Lord, the new heaven and the new earth. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I'm serious about this. I love looking at your faces. It's so much fun. It's good. <laughs> so even though it started with John, even though John was the beginning of Jesus' uh, what, what he was posturing us towards there, uh, Romans 15.4, we don't have it on the screen. It actually says that everything written before was for, is for our instruction. Okay, so everything written beforehand in the Old Testament is for our instruction. People who say you don't need the Old Testament, I laugh at you. Ha ha, there I am laughing at you. That's ridiculous. That's ridic you need the Old Testament in proper perspective, but you don't not need it. That's ridiculous, all right? 2,000 years later, we're still dealing with Old Covenant paradigms. I'm not talking about bringing on Old Covenant law and rule keeping. I'm talking about understanding that it ushers us to the Messiah and that it reveals actually the nature and character of God and that everything written before is for our instruction. Say instruction. That means it puts structure within. It's for our instruction. You feel like you can't really take it. You feel like maybe some things toss you around all the time. You need some structure within. You need instruction. I'm going to burst something real quick. You know when it says all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching? Yeah? And Timothy? Is it 1 Timothy? Yeah. The New Testament wasn't written yet, guys. When he wrote that. Under the unction of the Holy Spirit. So what all scripture? The Old Testament. <laughs> doesn't mean the Romans is disqualified or the Gospels are disqualified and they're not Scripture. I'm just saying he was referring to the Torah and the Pentateuch. And he's referring to the old. Okay. So you need it. Say, I need it. I need it. Yes, you do. So because of that, we're going to look at something from the book of Judges today, really an overview of the book of Judges. And I'm going to uh, just tell you, if you're bored with your Bible reading, go read the book of Judges. It's crazy talented there, all right? There's some crazy stories in that book. I mean, they got everything, romance, betrayal, adultery. Oh, it's your favorite novel all wrapped up into one. I'm telling you, go read the book of Judges. It is the craziest movie you'll ever watch, all right? It really is. I heard Brian Simmons once say that the book of Judges is an apostolic manual for the church. And he said that two years ago, and I just now last week have some sort of understanding of that statement. Uh, I've been asking the Lord what... What meaneth this? How is the book of Judges a manual for the, the church, an apostolic manual? And uh, I just started thinking about this week in the realm of, you know, the idea of kingdom force. We're advancing the kingdom. And um, just give you a little context for that. The judges were actually, they led all of Israel. And they were, they're actually for us, I believe, a prophetic picture of how we are to war in the spirit. Of how. Everything written before is for our what? instruction, yes, and it's a picture, a prophetic utterance of how we're to war in the spirit because we war not against flesh and blood like they did. They fought people. We fight principalities. And that person is not a principality. Your boss is not a principality, okay? <laughs> so when we're looking at this, we can, we can look at crazy stuff like this is just one of my favorites uh, because these people were intense, like a guy named Shamgar. Anyone know about Shamgar? He killed 600 Philistines with a cattle prod. He took a cattle prod and killed 600 dudes with it. 
you know, armed guys. They were armed. He had a cattle prod. And this judge of Israel went and took him out, you know. Now, I'm not getting all machine gun preacher on you. I'm not saying that you need to go, you know, take a cattle prod to thine enemies, and neither is God. The covenant has changed. These are prophetic images. Are you with me? Yes? Okay. So the Israelites were constantly rebelling against God, and they would do really awful things. They would not walk in the ways of their fathers. They would not worship God alone. They would build idols. They would get messed up into some weird stuff. And then they would cry out for deliverance. Isn't that convenient? Like you'd make a mess, and you're like, God, help, right? Just like kids. Yeah? So he would raise up a judge to deliver them. Is this making sense? I'm just giving you context for the book. And these were really like enforcers. God used these enforcers to deliver Israel, and it was often violent and graphic. So maybe I'm enticing you. Maybe I'm pushing you away from the book of Judges. I don't know. It's the Bible. You should read it. So they ruled all of, this is important. They ruled all of Israel judicially and militarily. Say judicially. Say militarily. All right, judicially meaning they decided all the court cases. They were the, they were the judge. Like we think of a judge. But they also led the armies, okay? And guess what? A chick did that. Her name was Deborah. She decided all the court cases and led the military. That chick was bad, all right? And I just, this is a sidebar just because I want to say it. And I hope the Holy Ghost anoints it. If you had a problem with a woman leading a church of 50 people, in the new and better covenant. <laughs> but God had no problem with a woman leading millions of people, deciding the court chase, cases, and leading the army in the lesser obsolete covenant. You might not be in line with the heart of God for women. You might not. It's a submission. You can have it or not. Leave it where, whatever. I don't care. So, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's all I want to say about that. No, it's not, but it's all I'm going to say about that. So <laughs> all these judges were not good. Some of them were bad, and there's some um, debate about one of them, Abimelech, whether he really was a judge. But my Bible says he judged all of Israel. So even though he did a really bad job and did bad stuff, it says he judged all He's a judge. All right, so um, I actually was asking the Lord about this. Actually, no, I was not. Let me back up and be accurate. I was not asking the Lord about the book of Judges. I had an idea that it was important, but... I wasn't, and I just had an idea. An idea popped in my head. I thought, and this was a God idea, you know when it sounds like your voice, but it's way too smart? Yeah? That's what happened. <laughs> it's like, oh, I wish I could take credit for having that really ingenious, that genius thought, but no way. Um, I thought to myself, what if there's a prophetic utterance even in the names of all the judges if you lined them up in a sentence? So I just thought, hmm, I'm going to do it. So I had like... I was studying. I had like an hour and a half. I'm like, I'm going to look them all up. And so I looked them all up, and I prepared a slide for you. Here's the, here's the names of the judges in order as they appear in the book of Judges. Othniel means force of God. Ehud means to be united. Shamgar, that's a tricky one. It doesn't have a meaning. They said of uncertain derivation. But the only thing it says is that he's son of Anna, and Anna means the answer. So son of the answer. That's the only definition we have for his name. You know, you have this guy, son of that guy, son of that guy. Shamgar, son of the answer. Deborah means to speak and a few other things, but to speak is a presiding one. Gideon means to cut down or to fell a tree. He's a fella. <laughs> no? All right, I thought it was funny. 
Abimelech means the father is king or my father is king. Tola means crimson. Jair means the enlightener. Jephthah means he will open. Ibzan means splendid. Elon means to bind or to put to silence. Abdon means servitude as in the form of like slavery. And Samson means sunlight. Now, I lined all these up and put it in a sentence. Do you want to hear it? You want to see it? Check this out. Next slide. The force of God is to be united with the son of the answer, to speak and to cut down. The father is King Crimson, the enlightener who will open the splendid things that bind and put to silence every form of slavery so that the sun will shine. That's the gospel. <laughs> That's how I knew it wasn't my idea. That's really cool, right? I'm going to read it again. The force of God is to be united with the son of the answer. <laughs> to speak and to cut down. You know that verse says the word of God is like a two-edged sword to cut and divide, to tear asunder, to speak and to cut down. <laughs> the father is King Crimson. Jesus, the crimson blood of Jesus, right? The enlightener who will open the splendid things that bind and put to silence every form of slavery so that the sun will shine. Isn't that cool? I was like geeking out on Tuesday. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And while I want to teach on that, I'm not going to. It might be a teaching later because uh, I haven't developed it yet. I do want to pull from that. And just submit to you that we are the new covenant judges. We're the new covenant judges who enforce the new covenant law. Yes? Are you a part of this story? Do you see yourself? You should. Awesome. So we can take that down. It's really cool. Um, I might put it in a blog post just so you guys can have the graphic or whatever. So, yeah, you're welcome. Super cool. But for us to enforce the new covenant law, we have to know what that law is. Amen? Yeah, you can't enforce something you don't know exists. So we're talking about the law of the spirit of life. This is Romans 8, verse 2. In the Passion Translation, it says, For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. All right, let me read that again. And this is so important. You could chew on this verse the rest of the time and tune me out. I don't care. The law of the spirit of life is flowing or flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us, say it with me, has liberated us from the law of sin and death. Whoever believes in me is never going to die. That's what Jesus said. You've been liberated from sin and death. You've been liberated from sin. You've been liberated from death. How many believe you've been liberated from sin? How many believe you've been set free from sin, dead to sin, no longer enslaved to sin? Sin will have no dominion over you. Sin will have no dominion over you. So what's going on down here in this crazy town called church? Because a lot of people sinning. A lot of people struggling. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. A lack of revelation is going on. Hopefully I'll get you there. We're called to enforce the law of the spirit of life, okay, because it's liberated us. One revelation you need to know is that sin is not just something you do. It's an entity that wants to control you. Sin is used as a noun, a person, place, or thing, 16 out of 17 times in Romans 6 alone. You're set free from the person, place, or thing of sin. The person, place, or thing of sin will not have no dominion over you. That's the, that's the tense. That, it's a noun. 
And once it's a verb, an action that you do. I find it's hilarious that it's barely used as an action, yet that's all we think of when we think of sin, acting in a certain way. Sin is an entity. Sin is a spirit. Sin was crouching at the door for Cain in Genesis, right? Yeah. You need to get that. Sin has desires that it wants to give you. And if you act sinful, you're acting in the desires of sin, not in your true desires. Hello? This is the truth. I don't have time to dig into it, but you need to just go think on these things. If sin is a person, place, or thing, then, and I've been set free from that thing, and it has desires, we should probably, you know, if you ever sin again, which would be so unlike you, we should probably point our guns on the right enemy. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Because we go inward. So you are a dirty, wretched sinner. No, that dirty, wretched sin thing is trying to control me again. How dare you? Because according to the law of the spirit of life, sin is illegal. Sin and death has been dealt with. Your flesh has been dealt with. You're wearing a body. You have flesh. And we're going to read a verse that uses the word flesh. It's not every time it says flesh does it mean sin nature. Okay? Not every time it says flesh does it mean body either. You have to discern, rightly discern these things. Okay? So you're called to enforce this new law. You should be slaying 600 demons with a spiritual cattle prod by now. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. Let me just give you an example because I was actually teaching at a community collective's uh, training, and I asked the Lord for a, a picture that would make sense, uh, a, an example, a modern-day example, because we have the Bible. Sometimes we need modern-day examples just to help us because we see it happening before our eyes, right? So... I was asking about that and how this all works because if it's a law but, but people still are struggling and caught up in things and if, you know, how do general, generational curses work still? I don't get it. How does this all work? And I was asking for a picture to explain it. And he talked to me about the Emancipation Proclamation and the 13th Amendment. And the Lord showed me how that is actually a perfect overlay for the ministry and, and life of Jesus and how it set us free from the law of sin and death. Are you ready? You good with that? Okay, a little history here. The Emancipation Proclamation was a pres presidential proclamation and executive order issued by the United States. He said executive order. Oh, my gosh. Abraham Lincoln on January 1st, 1863. <laughs> oh, it changed the federal legal status of more than 3.5 million enslaved African Americans in the designated areas of the South from slave to free. So in certain designated areas, it was a wartime tactic. As soon as a slave escaped the control of the Confederate government by running away or through advances of federal troops, the former slave became free. Ultimately, the rebel surrender liberated and resulted in the proclamation's application to all of the designated former slaves. It did not cover the slaves in Union areas that were freed by state action or three years by the 13th Amendment. So it was issued as a war measure. I said all that from the executive branch. So here's what you need to understand. Only this, when the proclamation came forth, only those who were in the state of rebellion and knew it, follow me. Somebody's going to get this. It's going to change your life. Only those who were, knew they were in a, a rebellious state, according to the proclamation. Are you following me? I'm not making political statements. I'm just saying... This is a picture. All those who were in those rebellious states and were aware of that escaped to freedom. But those who were not in a state of rebellion 
who are not in rebellious states, who did not say, oh, yeah, I live in a rebellious state, a state of rebellion, they were not free. Are you following me? And then the 13th Amendment came three years later, and the, all of them were designated lawfully free. Are you following? So Jesus came on the scene. When it had, was baptized, went into the wilderness, came out, and he made a proclamation. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. To what? Release the captives. To liberate those who are bound. And what happened for the next three years was those who knew they needed a savior. Come on, somebody's going to get it. Some, those who knew they were in a state of rebellion escaped to the savior and they were freed. It says that all who came to him were healed. He went about doing good, the book of Acts says, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Does that mean every person on earth got healed? No, it was those who came to him. Those who knew they needed it. But those who were in the other states, in the non-rebellion, those like the Pharisees and the religious know-it-alls didn't think they needed a savior. They were the ones who didn't go to him. They're actually the ones who killed him. But you know what happened three years after he made that proclamation? <laughs> he died, rose again, and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, you go. Make disciples of all nations. Amen? So, just like the Emancipation Proclamation proclaimed freedom for those who knew they were in rebellion, and the law made every single one of them free, but not every slave was freed. To this day, there's more people enslaved around the world than there ever have been in any time in history. There's over 41 million people enslaved, human trafficking, things like that, and Tampa is number three. I'm going to keep saying that until it goes to number four, and I'm going to say it until it goes to number five, and six, and seven, and eight, until it gets off the list. I'm going to keep saying it. So slavery, the action of slavery, those who were enslaved didn't automatically end. There were still uh, slave owners who kept their slaves. Are you following me? In the, in the time of uh, uh, the 13th Amendment. It took years for the culture to shift. And amidst, amidst that shift of culture, there had to be law enforcers. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? There had to be those who said, that's not right. That's against the law. That's illegal. You need to stop that. And they set free the captives by enforcing the new law. And you and I in the kingdom are to do the same thing. Jesus made it a law that all are free. You're not, we're not working towards gaining freedom. Freedom has been given. It's accessible to all. Now we need some people to shift the culture and start enforcing the law of the spirit of life. That's what it means to advance the kingdom from the time of John the Baptist until now. Are you following me? Yes. So let me just say this. Any enslavement in the life of the believer is illegal. Any habit you have that is not heavenly is illegal. Not your activities. You're not being an illegal whatever. I'm saying that thing trying to control you, it's illegally operating. Why is this important? Because if you think that it's actually natural, if you think that it's within your nature to act that way, it's just the way I am, Paul struggled, I'll struggle, blah, blah, blah. If you believe that way, 
you're not enforcing the law of the spirit of life that has liberated you from the law of sin and death. Are you following me? Are you okay? I know this is like heavy whatever teaching, but track with me now. If you even admit that it might be natural for you to do something that Jesus wouldn't do, you are no longer advancing the kingdom. It's advancing without you. And if you are standing up and saying the opposite, you're actually coming against the advancement of the kingdom. You're anti-kingdom. Mm-hmm. You're actually preaching in the, in the line of the spirit of anti-Christ. Because I guarantee you, Jesus is leading from the front. And he's the first you resist if you say the opposite of what he said. If you say the opposite of what the word of God says. If you have been raised with Christ, Colossians 3.1, put off all these things that you're doing. First step, raised with Christ, one with God, now. Not going to be, you are now. If that has happened to you, stop acting like it hasn't happened to you. That's Colossians 3. Colossians 2 says that your flesh, your sin nature has been removed as in circumcision. Removed, cut off. The law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So what's the, what's the process you agree with the new law. First step, agree with the new law in town. In your thinking, in your declaration, in your talk. Listen to the way you talk. You want to know how someone believes? Listen to them pray. Listen to the way you pray. <laughs> and start taking note of where it disagrees with Scripture and fix it. <laughs> I'm being as practical as I can here. But it starts with even entering into the belief zone, the revelation zone, that you have been set free from sin. You have been set free from death. Death actually isn't a thing anymore. You understand? All I'm going to do is graduate into the cloud. I'm going to put off my shell here, which is temporal, right? I'm going to put off my temporary tent, Paul calls it, my temporary suit of armor here, and put on, even be more fully clothed in the cloud. I'm never going to die. If you're fighting these things, you need to get in line with the word of God. You need to love this thing, man. I do not go a day. And this is not me bragging. This is me telling you I can't go a day without reading this thing. I cannot. It hurts me, actually. I feel it in my spirit. I feel a heaviness. I feel a weight. I feel a hunger. You ever gone like three days without eating? Yeah, that's how your spirit man feels when you don't read your word, when you don't converse with God. You need to feed your spirit. He says, my words are spirit and they're a life. We got a bunch of hangry Christians, <clears throat> hungry and angry, rock, walking around saying, Jesus loves you. Doesn't work like that. Did you know that you are the new covenant judge? You are their deliverer. You can't deliver someone who you don't have any love for. That person who's treating you wrongly, who's doing that thing to you, that boss is really annoying, whatever. Maybe that kid who's driving you nuts like your kid. You cannot deliver them from their poor behaviors if you do not love them and believe that they are actually supposed to be liberated according to the law. The law has set them free from that action. And if you assign their identity to their action, you're also resisting the truth that the law has been set. It cannot be a change. You are not ratifying the constitution of God's law. You're not that cool. Sorry. It doesn't even come to a vote. <laughs> This is a theocracy we're talking about. Theocracy. 
It's a kingdom. We're in the king's domain. You don't get a say about the laws. You don't get a say. I'd love to break it to you. You're powerful. You're amazing. But you don't get to change God's law. You get to line up or get rolled over. I'm just telling you right now. Because the kingdom's going to advance. It's going to advance. You can either get in line or get in the way. <laughs> Second one's real dangerous. I remember Ananias and Sapphira got in the way of the kingdom advancing. In the new covenant, struck down dead for lying to the Holy Spirit. Anyone scared? No, I didn't mean to scare you. That's felt like a, ooh, oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah, that's the book of Acts. People say, the days of Ananias and Sapphira are returning. Well, I'd actually be okay with that because I'm sure a lot of people lied in the church at that time. Not necessarily for that, but they were all, I'm sure they were trying to get rid of the lying habit. Ananias and Sapphira were not the only ones who lied, right? So maybe two out of like 3,000 or 3 million or whatever. You know what I mean? It's all right. I'm good with it. If there's only a little bit. <laughs> all right. Y'all are okay. Anyway, you need to understand that these enslavements, you, you got to start looking at any sinful action as an enslavement that is illegal. You following me? Listen, I was addicted to pornography for years, 10 years. And when I say addicted, I mean addict level. I shook. I sweat. I couldn't go to sleep without watching it. I, if I was at a restaurant for more than an hour, I'd be in the bathroom watching it. I mean, I was addicted. Guys, I resisted with my own strength, and the best I could, I had every accountability partner in the world. Nothing worked. I had every little lock on my computer. I got around all of them. Ha-ha. I was, I was leading worship, going home, watching porn for a few hours. You understand? Like, I was an addict. Needle in the vein addict. I've never done any drugs, but I've done that drug for 10 years. I was an addict. Okay? And you know what set me free? It was not accountability. It was not another rule. It was not anything except hearing the voice of God say, my son paid for your sin struggle. <clears throat> God said, you don't have to struggle with, with pornography anymore. And I said, what? I don't. He said, no, my son paid for that. And it was when I was 23 years old. And it was the first time in my life anyone told me that I had been set free from sin. First time in my life anyone said, that thing in your life, that thing having dominion over you, it's illegal dominion. My son paid for you to be free from that. And you are free. The prison door is open. You're sitting in the cell with an open door. All you got to do is believe the door's open and just give it a little push. Walk out. It's about revelation. It's about understanding what God has done first. That's why I said if you're going to be a kingdom judge, a kingdom enforcer you, of the law of the spirit of life, you got to understand what the law of the spirit of life has done. It has set you free from sin. Anytime you act, anytime you think, anytime you do anything that isn't like Jesus, you need to understand there's an illegal entity at work tempting you. Do we have temptation? Yes. Was Jesus tempted? Yes. Did he sin? No. As a man. And it says in 1 John 4, 17, that on the day of judgment, we can have confidence before God. Because, I say it all the time, as he is, so also are we in this world. 99% of the church does not believe that statement. As he is, ascended, risen, seated on the throne, complete authority over all things, so also are we. Not so also are you, so also are we. You're a part of the body of Christ. His body does not have a sin habit. 
So what's going on? I see these sinful habits in my life. You need to rise up and be an enforcer of the new law of the spirit of life. Are you hearing me? We've missed a step. We've had a bunch of people say, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And we've not gone back to the step of, you've been set free from that, you've been set free from that, you've been set free from that. That's not who you are. It's not who you are. But it's what I'm acting like. Well, we pay actors lots of money to act like things that they are not all the time. Johnny Depp is not a pirate. It's my favorite example. Johnny Depp is not a real pirate. Is he a real pirate? In real life, is he actually a pirate? Does he act like one? Is he good at it? Is it believable? Did he even believe it? Maybe, probably. <laughs> That's a picture of a believer believing they're still a sinner. If you expect to sin today, you'll sin by faith. Because it hasn't happened yet. What is faith? It's the convictions of things hoped for, you know, things not seen that haven't happened yet. So if you expect for you to sin later today, if you expect it nine times from 9 a.m. Monday morning, you, will, you are pressing your faith into being a sinful person. You're using your faith to sin. You'll sin by faith. <laughs> Let's not do that. That just sounds really dumb. Yeah? If you sin again, if you ever sin again, which would be so unlike you, you need to declare the truth of God's law. You need to say, I'm set free from sin. I'm dead to sin. I'm no longer enslaved to sin. Sin has no dominion over me. I'm a slave of righteousness. I can go and sin no more, just like the woman caught in adultery. That's in my capacity right now. That needs to be your response to any type of sinful act. It's my response. Have I watched porn since I was set free? Yes. You know what my response was? Thank you, God, I'm set free from that thing. You might think that's schizophrenic. It's enforcing the law of the spirit of life that has set me free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Amen? I'm going to read that verse in context. Romans 8, 1 through 4 in the ESV says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means there's no death sentence required. To condemn means to give a death sentence. That means if you're dying daily, you're carrying out a death sentence that the judge didn't give. There is no death sentence. Daily or otherwise, for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Do you see this? In the likeness of sinful flesh, that's this, and for sin, the entity. Do you see the separation here? Do you see this? Yes? It even says that we had deemed him stricken. Uh, we deemed him, Isaiah 53, I believe it is, that we deemed him as cursed by God, right? In 2 Corinthians, it says we once regarded him according to the flesh, but we do no longer. Meaning we saw him in the flesh. We saw him, and he was beaten and all that stuff. And we thought, maybe the Israelites actually thought, that that was God cursing them, that God was putting him on a tree because God was mad at Jesus. No, with the revelation came that he raised from the dead. He is the son of God. The light comes in, and you understand that he came in the likeness of sinful flesh without sinning and for sin to defeat that thing. Sin is a dethroned monarch. Sin is knocked off the throne. Sin has no dominion over you. I don't care if I'm the only pastor in Tampa that will say it. You are not a sinner. You will not sin again. 
How? 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 He condemned sin in the flesh. He gave sin a death sentence that you were supposed to get. He became sin on the cross and condemned it. Are you following me? I have to finish. My goodness. In order that, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the requirement, this is it, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Do you understand that you can fulfill the whole law right now? That's right. Come on. It might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Oh, see, we have a flesh. No, who walk not according to the natural but according to the supernatural. Not according to your timeline on earth but according to the eternal realm that you're a part of. Not according to the seat you're sitting in right now in your body but according to the seat on the mercy seat where you're sitting in Christ right now. You're bilocational. Not according to the present tense, my body is here, but according to my location in heavenly places, seated in Christ where he is not struggling with anything or anxious about anything. Any enslavement in the life of the believer is illegal. I wrote this little thing, and this is how I'm going to end. I'm just going to read it to you. Because we are an apostolic family. This is an apostolic company. This is a people on mission. That's what we're doing. We're advancing the kingdom. An apostolic company are those who know it is finished and the law of the spirit of life has set them free from the law of sin and death. They know that everyone is offered complete freedom because of the proclamation of the gospel and the initiation of a new covenant on the earth. It has become a law. An apostolic company armed with this knowledge goes out into the world to enforce the new law. They go to explain and demonstrate the law of the spirit of life. They do not go to fight the battle against those who are opposing the formation of the law because it's already been formed. They go out in the authority of Christ's law and shift the hearts and minds of the people. They reform the culture to accept this new law and implement it into their lives. Just like when the 13th Amendment was signed. There had to be enforcers. There had to be a culture shift. They had to enforce the new law. Are you following me? This is so important. They go to reform the earth, to reform the earth, to look like heaven, because heaven bought and paid for the whole earth. We go to reform the earth because heaven bought and paid for the entire earth. These people do not fight the battle. They enforce the victory of Christ. The battle has been won. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Slavery did not automatically end. There were slaves long after the 13th Amendment, and there are still slaves today. But the law of the land has been written and will not be changed. What needs to take place now is the culture shift. This is the function of the resting place. This is the function of any apostolic company. You understand? When someone is operating and manifesting in something like a generational curse, we need to understand that that curse is there illegally. We do not need to try and form a law or make a proclamation. This is the easy way to do it, guys. Oh, you're illegal. Get out. They don't form a new law or make a proclamation. They only need to enforce the law of the spirit of life that is in full effect. The law of the spirit of life is in full effect. Inasmuch as Christ is risen and seated on the throne, full authority is in his name, the law is in effect. Inasmuch as that. When anyone is degrading another person with their words or actions, we need to understand that they are doing so illegally. We enforce the law of the spirit of life and inspire them to honor everyone. We participate in spiritual joy fair as we advance the kingdom because the battle is over and the victory is already ours. That's why you can be happy when you see a demon like, oh boy, awesome cattle prod. 
Will you be a new covenant judge and enforce the, the new covenant law? Will you? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Will you be a new covenant judge who enforces the new covenant law? Yes or no? Yes. Awesome. I'm glad you said yes because that's what I plan to do. Let's do it. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We want to let you know about our new Wired for Greatness online discipleship platform. It equips you to do the work of God in your realm of influence. Check it out at wiredforgreatness.me. Enjoy this podcast.